she said, I can keep helping you cover up this problem or you can walk across the street and you can go and get your implants out and then I can help you heal after. Her name was Dr. Kim and she was the first woman to actually confront me on what I was doing to myself. And so we all face these different parts of our lives where something from our past or something from an old experience or even relationship, career might come forward later in your life. And it's about having the tools to manage what shows up. Eating disorders, struggling with comparing ourselves to others, struggling with our own self-love. And don't we want to talk about unlearning the way that we were taught to suffer or that we have been suffering and really getting clear with about who we are, what we're doing here, what our journey is, and what our authentic selves really want in our situation right now with no matter what we're dealing with, to be able to appreciate who we are, the body we're in, and the journey we're on and those that we love so that we feel happiness and we feel joy and we feel acceptance and accepted. And whether it's just with ourselves, within our family, within our profession, within our work life, whatever situation it may be. Well, we're going to talk about this today. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Anna Kabeka. I'm the Girlfriend Doctor, and it is my mission and my passion to help women live better lives before, during, and after menopause, no matter what your age is. So welcome to the Girlfriend Doctor podcast, an intimate place for intimate conversation. And hey, I am here for you. You can ask or tell me anything. No shame, no guilt, no apologies. We are pulling back the curtain. And today we're going to be pulling back the curtain on body shaming and on self-sabotaging with an expert and a guest and a friend that I'm joined here with today. And this is Sarah Ann Stewart, who was thrown into her own world of wellness as a teenager when her father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. She suffered from breast implant disease, eating disorder, and this life experience has propelled her to dedicate her life to spreading the healings that she discovered today. She is the founder of the Awesome Inside Out Movement and an advisor to international wellness brands and soon to be a Hay House author as well. Her heart-centered approach has supported thousands on their journey to body love, and you'll fall in love with her as I have today. And we're going to talk about so many key things, like how we compare ourselves to others. How do we touch? How do we develop the practices that keep us in our authentic space, accepting who we are, loving who we are? And we're going to go into, she's going to teach us three key exercises to help us heal and be part of our self-care routine that enhances our own self-worth, our self-love, and self-acceptance. And I encourage I encourage you to listen in. Here we go. Let me introduce you to my friend. Welcome, Sarah, to the Girlfriend Doctor podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I have loved your story. I loved your journey, and I love what you're putting forth in the world. And I want to share more about your story and why you're so passionate about what you do with my audience. Will you share a little bit? 
Yeah. Thank you so much. And yeah, the work I do today was really inspired by my own personal journey. So I grew up in a really holistic household, so much so that when we found out the heartbreaking news that my father had terminal cancer, he decided to not go the Western route to postpone his life a little bit longer, but he actually decided to heal the root cause of his cancer. And we went on this alternative medicine journey and decided to do a plant-based diet for seven months. And within that time, his cancer was completely cured. Um, They diagnosed it as a misdiagnosis. And this really lit a spark in me that never went out. I, I became really aware how many people didn't understand at the time the healing power of food. Ironically, at the same time, I was scouted to model. And within several days of signing a contract, I developed a series of eating disorders that lasted for over a decade to the point where I was sitting in a hospital room being told by an ER doctor that if I didn't make a career change, I was going to absolutely lose my life to to anorexia. And I remember at that time feeling so much guilt and shame because I knew the power of food to heal. And yet on the other hand, I was having this disordered relationship with food where it almost took my own life. And so I knew I had to get out of the industry. I ended up leaving. I backpacked for over two years. And what's so interesting is I began to study nutrition because that seemed like the most natural career path to transition into knowing what my dad had gone through. And it it was really interesting because the more nutrition information I got, the more anxiety I got around my body. Every time I had my picture taken or Anytime that I was was on a date or um, stood in front of a mirror, this anxiety still plagued me, even though I was physically getting better. So the doctors were clearing me from a physical level, but the anxiousness within me continued. And so this was this was something where I kind of just came to a realization that this is going to be my existence. This is how I'm going to have to live the rest of my life. I went through the fashion industry, and and there's no solution to this relationship I have within my mind. Out of what I call divine synchronicity, I met a seventh lineage guru from India who I intuitively felt from the moment I met him, called to work with him. And he shared with me, he said, you can absolutely heal this part of yourself, but you have to unlearn the way that you were taught to suffer. And this was the first moment that I actually started to take responsibility and stood stood looking at myself and saying, I can no longer play victim to these stories. I have to actually confront the emotions, the insecurities, the wounding patterns, the, the trauma from my childhood. And I have to start doing this work and I can no longer blame the modeling world or the fashion industry. And through this process that we worked together with, he really helped me recognize that there's the space between your thoughts and there's the space within you that you can connect to. There's a solitude, there's a consciousness, there's an awareness. And through that, I went on this healing journey. And what was so profound was I started applying a lot of the principles to my coaching practice. And at that time I was teaching a lot of people about nutrition and food, which is incredible, but there's another aspect, right? The emotional and the mental and the spiritual components that there's this holistic, all-encompassing approach that is so needed and so, so valuable today. And so through my own learning and through my own journey, I've, I've been able to help a lot of women create sustainable change instead of bouncing from program to program to program. And that's, that's my greatest mission and passion is really helping people step into the self-love, self-confidence and self-worth first, because then intuitively they usually know what program or protocol or nutrition plan is best for them. 
Mm, no, I love, I love what you're saying. I want to go back to that time when your eating disorder started. Like what was, you were already modeling. Did you have a dis- eating disorder before you started modeling? No, what was so interesting is that I didn't have an eating disorder, but I had a very dysfunctional relationship with my mother. And I always kept blaming the fashion industry for this eating disorder. But as I started to heal, I recognized that I chose that industry and went into that industry for the addiction, for the the obsession with always seeking the validation outside of myself. I don't think I would have chosen that industry or been gravitated towards it if I didn't have that need for approval that I never got from my mother growing up. And over time, I've healed this relationship with her and I've really recognized that she wanted the best for us, but it was her living through us that created this perfectionism model that I always had to be perfect. And from that, it fueled my my desire to go into an industry and and I kept wanting that hit, right? That, that hit of external validation. And the interesting thing about modeling is the older you get, the less you get the hit. So it took me on a road of plastic surgery and getting implants. And it really ended up being the darkest part of my life, but also the most liberating because on the other side of this healing with my mother, so much beauty has come forward. And how is your relationship with your mother now? It's really beautiful. Yeah. I've done a lot of work and and I've had to I've had to take the responsibility piece. I think part of the other story that was showing up was it was it, it's very easy to blame, right? To look back and blame our parents and blame our mentors and blame who raised us and blame our past on our outcomes today. And that was the work I did with Shandresh. It was very much about this is your life and you only have today. This is this is it. This present moment is all you have. And and do you want to continue to live from a place of from a place of pain and and resent and and the story that you're not good enough? Or do you want to step into that because that's your truth that you are worthy? Of, of the body and life that you really love. And so it, it's definitely been a process. It's been a lot of meditation, <laughs> a lot of going within, a lot of journal work, a lot of pulling back the layers. And I think that that's, that's life, right? It, it's, it's really getting to the root. Well, let me tell you, I just talking about the mother-daughter relationship, you know, I'm like, I've got my own mother-daughter guilt, right? It's a, all of a sudden, I'm like, what have I done to my, you know, my daughters? Like, have I instilled, what have I instilled in them or not? And I, I often joke with my oldest, my firstborn, and I was like, you know, what they call the firstborn, they call them practice. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, like I have, and it's often, it's like, we are, we are doing the best we can do, but we are two individual, two unique bodies. We are spirits on the spiritual journey and this um, physical journey as well. And I have my youngest daughter now. I'm in Texas, in Dallas, Texas, because she's doing rodeo. And I'm trying so hard, like often, to, okay, you know, I'm holding safe boundaries for you. I'm guiding you. But, you know, these are the, you know, these are the goals. These are the expectations in order for us to continue doing this journey. She's barrel racing competitively. And, and we actually moved away from my home and my little island home for the past 20 years into um, the big city of Dallas to work in a ranch with some pro rodeo trainers. And that's what, that's what we're doing. But I'm like, okay, I'm trying to, you know, it's mothering is hard. I mean, Uh it is. And each child is so different and each relationship is so, is so, is so different and so unique. And so it's, it's beautiful to hear you say that, you know, recognizing that 
she was doing the best she could do mm-hmm. with what mm-hmm. she knew. And often that's the truth. We think we want the best for our children, but where is it emotionally healthy versus emotionally toxic? And and how do we receive that? You know, how is it being received on the other end? You've said so many interesting things, Sarah. And one of the things you said that your teacher told you was to unlearn the way you were taught mm-hmm. to suffer. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a minute. That is such a powerful saying. I'm going to say it again. And learn the way you were taught to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my coach, Shandrash Bergeroff, and he runs a company called Break the Norms, is really about that. That is his mission. It's unlearning all of these programmed beliefs that we take on throughout our lives that don't serve us. And what I learned through working with him was that when you begin to understand the mind, you often realize that the answers to the solutions and the answers to the problems that you're coming up against and the challenges are often not in the mind. And I'll dive a little bit more into this and make it as simple as possible. So what he shares is that there's three parts of the mind, the memory, which we experience everything from birth, right? And and that's in our subconscious mind and our conscious mind. And then the intellect is everything we've been taught. So it's, it's what we've learned, what we've studied, what we've researched. And then there's the part of the identity, which is who we are, the way we think about ourselves and the way that we're viewed by the world. And what I had to do through this process was I had to look at, okay, if I'm going to to connect to the mind and think about my thoughts and recognize what these thoughts are doing to my emotional response and then also to my behavior and my habits, well, what if I just pull back those layers and say, well, maybe the answer to solving this relationship to my body isn't in my mind. And I'm going to my mind and my mind's playing tennis match. And I'm, and even with the intellect, I'm going and doing all this research and trying to find all these different protocols that are going to solve this problem. But what if the answer already exists within me? And so often people are reluctant to going beyond the mind because we're taught more research means that we're, we have a higher IQ and we're, you know, we're better at coping with the world and we'll be more successful. But often what, what it really is about is going to the space between the thoughts. It's going into our awareness, which then strengthens our intuition. Because when I work with clients, most often they know what protocol or nutrition plan (laughs) is good for them. They know what movement they should be doing, which movement lights them up and excites them and inspires them. They know what relationships they should be in or what relationships they should get out of. They know if their career is serving them or not, but they're in this sabotaging way of being because they haven't connected to that place within them, that spiritual place of saying, wow, I only have so much time on this planet. This body is this vessel and this vehicle for me to serve and create impact on this planet. And and what do I want to do with this time? And within that space, within the space of consciousness, whether you call it energy or or awareness or or beyond the thought is, is the answers. And it really allows you to create this freedom from the mind It allows you to get into the body and connect to the heart when you go into meditation and when you go into silence. And that was the process for me. It was looking at every single story that I was holding onto that wasn't serving me and saying, what is an upgraded version to this story? What is a story that I've never been told that I can step into about my self-worth, my self-esteem and self-confidence that will empower me to live a more aligned life from a place of truth in a body that I loved. And that was the journey. And that journey, I tell people, is 
is a patient journey. <laughs> I think we're so sold on the quick fixes right now. And I have to just say that there's the nutrition component, the movement component, but then this emotional and mental component. So you don't sabotage what's actually working for you is, is the part that takes the time. And it, it took a long time to stop sabotaging my life, <laughs> but I finally feel like I'm there. That's such an important word, sabotage, right? Self-sabotage. And I see it over and over again. Certainly I have partaken in it uh, more times than I can count, but that concept of self-sabotage. And so so there are many reasons that we self-sabotage and how do we get to those underlying reasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, top scientists and specialists, I'm sure you share a lot about this, talk about the subconscious overrides the conscious behavior. And the subconscious is responsible for about 95% of our life choices. And so wherever there was worry or drama or stress, perfectionism, disappointment, jealousy, pain, overcommitment, all of these unresolved emotions impact our relationship with food and our bodies. And so I think it's first the self-awareness component where we recognize that for most of our life, we've been taught what to think, how to feel, what to believe, which drives the behavior and habits around food in our bodies. And so a lot of this has been childhood programming, societal and cultural conditioning, media outlets. But the piece that I tell tell people is that it's not about feeling shame or guilt when you do a behavior that's sabotaging. It's about creating the self-awareness to recognize that there is a different way. And once you know better, you know, there's that famous quote, once you know better, do better. And so it's not your fault that you're sabotaging. It's not your fault that you want to go to the fridge to deal with the emotion that you don't want to feel but it is your responsibility if you want to live an empowered life in a body that you love, in, a, in this aligned life of well-being to start to take responsibility. And that looks like feeling. That looks like recognizing when emotions show up. That looks like managing triggers in a different way. That looks like doing the inner work, moving into forgiveness, letting go, and really looking at all the parts of yourself that have probably been in the shadow that you're not willing to look at yet. And, and that was the hardest piece for me. It was like, I didn't want to look at those, those parts of myself. But then when I did, the discomfort that I was creating in my life through sabotage was actually free on the other side of going into that discomfort. So it's like, there's freedom that exists on the other side of the discomfort, but we think that the discomfort that we're in is actually comfort, which it's not. And so it's about moving through and really recognizing and connecting to our truth and saying, I no longer want to live like this. And what am I willing to do to disconnect from the parts of myself that aren't serving any longer? Whether they're real or perceived, right? Right, I mean, it's right. that whole thing. I think one of the things that I, I catch myself, part of the practice that helps me course correct is what do I know to be true right now? You know, it's just asking myself that question is what do I know to be true right now? And I like how you say, you know, to identify what's in the shadows. And if it's in the shadows, we can't heal from it, right? We have to bring it up out of the shadows. Yes, <laughs> we, we have to bring it out of the shadows. There, there was a recent experience I had with my breast implant illness. And I share the story a lot because I 
I want people to know, even as a body love coach and someone who is rallying other women (laughs) into self-love and self-worth and self-confidence, and I've been doing this work for quite some time, over two and a half years ago, I got very, very sick from my breast implants. Um, I was sick for over two years before that. So I, I woke up in the middle of Tulum having heart palpitations. And for, for over a year, I was in denial. I didn't want to actually admit that my implants were making me sick. And because of that, what was happening was when you're in a state of fear and you don't want to admit that there's a problem or a root cause, you often attract people in your life or reflect back to you the truth of what you want to hear. So I was going to doctors. They were saying, there's no way it could be my implants. I was doing, I had an MRI done. My implants were fully intact. And once I was willing to do the work of what would my life look like without my implants? Why am I so attached to this? Why do I, why do I have so much anger towards myself about getting these implants? How can I forgive myself for getting these implants? And I started to do the internal work. That's when everything started to shift. I started to attract people into my life that were reflecting back to me that it could be my implants. I started I started attracting people in my life that were willing and able to help me heal from my breast implant illness. And I even had a doctor who... She was so great. She said, I can keep helping you cover up this problem, or you can walk across the street and you can go and get your implants out, and then I can help you heal after. And her name was Dr. Kim, and she was the first woman to actually confront me on what I was doing to myself. And so we all face these different parts of our lives where something from our past or something from an old experience or even relationship, career might come forward later in your life. And it's about having the tools to manage what shows up. And for me, I had to dig out all my tools that I teach my clients and I had to do the mirror work again and the affirmation work. And and I had to really go in and say, I'm willing now to confront this part of myself and and it was the greatest blessing on the planet, getting my implants out and regaining my health. It was, it was really an empowering, empowering year. And so when you were doing that work, Sarah, when you were like, okay, why did I get these implants in the first place? And why am I angry at myself for getting them? What, what answers did you have? What was interesting is that when I got them, it was very much unconscious. I just wanted to extend my modeling career. And by getting implants, you can transition from more editorial to catalog work. And so for me, it was very much a career decision. I wasn't inspired at the time or I didn't have the courage to step into another career. And what's interesting is that through the recognition of, wow, I've never actually had to confront this. I just went and got my implants and then moved on with my life. And I avoided at that time, any truth in relationship to what I was actually doing to my body. And for anyone listening that has implants, I don't have any judgment around it. I just personally, now if someone asks, should I get implants? I always say, I personally would do some inner work first and then recognize the deep-rooted cause of why you want them. Because for me, it was, again, to fill a void, to get an external hit that I could have gotten within myself, but I chose not to at the time. And so as I did the work, it was first the forgiveness piece of, I put these implants in. And so I actually caused the suffering within my body and I have to forgive myself. And only through forgiving myself can I actually heal. Because if I hold on to the vibration of, of negativity and anger towards myself, then it's going to further manifest deeper on a cellular level. And then the second piece was 
the trust that I could fall in love with my body without the implants. And that that was actually more post-explant surgery. And so that process looked like Again, going into all of the, 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 the mirror work of standing in front of the mirror without my implants and just loving my body and allowing myself to cry and allowing myself to just feel the emotions. And I'm glad and grateful that I had the access then to feel because I could have continued to suppress the anger of having to get them out. But I allowed myself a month off. I allowed myself to feel every emotion that came forward and through that process, it really, it really helped me heal and, and have this compassion for other women. And now supporting other women going through it has really been a great, beautiful gift that I've been given. I think that's so powerful. And just for terminology, you know, implant is when we're getting our breast implants in, putting them in. Explant is the term we use for removing our breast implants. And there is breast implant disease, right? We know that there is a syndrome associated um, that a growing number of people are recognizing to be due to breast implants, whether they're leaking or not. It can be capsular from capsular adhesions, fungi or mold growing in and around the implants. It can be from the silicon, this foreign body in our body, whether they're water-based implants or not, there's they're plastic right? They're chemical. And that can affect, get into our bloodstream, get into our lymphatics and also affect us. Do you want to elaborate more on some of those symptoms? And Yeah, I would love to. So I first developed heart palpitations and then I thought, okay, well, well, that's interesting. Am I having anxiety? And I thought it was an anxiety response to something that was happening in my life. And then I started developing all these other really bizarre symptoms. So pain under my armpits, joint pain. I was having rashes, acne everywhere, brain fog, memory loss. I would not remember someone's name that I had just met or where my keys were. And I, I remember thinking, this is so bizarre. And because autoimmune runs in my family, that was the diagnosis that I kept hearing. Oh, well, it's not worse enough yet to properly diagnose this, but that's probably what's on the horizon. And there's not much we can do about this anyway. And one of the symptoms of breast implant illness is having an autoimmune response in your body because your body is basically overinflamed. And what's so interesting is that when I got my explants out, so many other plastic surgeons said, there's no way this can be causing breast implant illness. And it's not even a medical diagnosis yet, which is which is crazy. And a lot of women are now fighting for, for breast implant illness to be a medical diagnosis. But when I got my implants out, I discovered that my body was actually breaking down the implants. So even though they were fully intact, there were pieces of silicone in the tissue surrounding my implants. And my body had basically developed this biofilm around the implant. So I had a P-acne biofilm surrounding the implant, which was causing another level of inflammation. And I love that my doctor did the pathology report because it really validated all of the symptoms that I have. If your body's breaking down an implant and silicone is going through your body, you're absolutely going to have memory loss and brain fog. And on top of that, my heavy metals were through the charts. And so as soon as I got my implants out, I had to go in a full year of heavy metal detox. And I also want to share that this is speaking from a place of privilege. Most people can't go and get ozone treatment and glutathione injections and all of these treatments that I had to have to get this heavy metal out of my body. And so, you know, 
five, six years ago, I would have never been able to go under these treatments. And, and I just share that because I think often women think about getting them in with a credit card or they just think about, okay, well, this is, I'm going to pay this off over the next five or six years. And I was one of those people. I sold my car and just paid for my implants. I never thought about the repercussions of the time, the energy, the finances involved in, and, and just how much of my life I was going to lose from having these in. And, and of course, breast implant illness wasn't discussed you know, when I first got my implants and it wasn't, it wasn't a topic like it is today, but I think it's important for women to hear that, that there are repercussions. Not all women have the repercussions from them, but it is something that it's important to be informed so that if you do get them and you start to get sick, you know, that that's a potential reason. Right. You're not going to spend years, you know, looking, trying different things, spending almost, you know, much more money than but otherwise, but the loss of time that's involved. And, and I'm sure there are others listening saying, oh my gosh, how can I be sure this is breast implant illness or not? You know, how do I know? And I think there, it is starting to tune into your symptoms as well as your intuition. What is your body telling you? Is it, is it not? And, and you talk about that, getting in touch with your intuition and, and what your body is real for you. You said go into our awareness and trusting our intuition. So what are steps that we can take to do that, to be able to trust our intuition? There's a lot of different things that I personally have done that have made a massive, massive impact. But I think the biggest thing that specifically even right now with where we are in the world, I think it's more important than ever to create the space from the social media and the people in our lives. And my coach often says that we shop for our ego. And what this means is that if we want to hear a certain thing, we will call specific people in our life, right? Or we will actually search specific things on social media or on Google because we want the response that our ego wants to hear. And that could look like, you know, calling the friend or the parent that you know is going to say, well, it's all in your head. I heard that so many times. It's all in your head. It's stress. You're traveling a lot. But I was calling the people that I knew were going to give me that response because of my wounding pattern. And so it really gets down to disconnecting and creating that space. I think days in silence, days in nature, getting back to the root of, of our truth and going within. And, and I think part of that is a very much a spiritual approach. And that comes through the acceptance and surrender piece to, I have to accept and surrender to what is true now, what is present, what's showing up. Am I sick? Is that true? Do I not feel well in my body? Is that true? And then stepping into the courageous step of saying, well, what are the steps that I have to do to move through this? And a piece that I see in my practice that is a little bit different, but but similar to this topic is that so often the challenge I see with clients, especially women who are told that happiness exists outside of themselves or or looking a certain way is the acceptance and surrender piece. It's like accepting that there's only so much you can do to change your appearance. There's only so much you can do to mitigate aging, right? And to slow down aging, you're going to change as you age, your body's going to change and that you can't change your DNA or look like anyone else 
past a certain extent. And I think the problem is, is that we're in this comparison model and this jealousy model, and we're always on social media and we're always looking at other people and thinking, well, why can't I look like that? But through the acceptance and surrender. So whether it's the sickness, the not feeling well, the, the, how we look, there is this mourning process that happens, but then on the other side of that, there's freedom. And so when we can focus on that freedom that exists through accepting, I'm sick right now and I need to take the courage and the strength and the resilience within me to get help, then it allows us on another level to step in. And I believe that that comes through spiritual practice. I believe that we chose our bodies for the lessons that we want to learn, the relationships we want to have, the impact we want to have, the life we desire to live. And if we accept and surrender to the body we have, if we accept and surrender to the pain or the struggle that we're in, freedom exists on the other side, but also joy exists. And that's why we're here. And then we no longer play the victim game. We no longer play the jealousy comparison trap. We no longer stop taking radical responsibility for our own health. And that that starts with going within. It starts with connecting to our truth and listening and being outside and disconnected from technology where we can shop for whatever whatever answer based on cognitive bias and and what we want to believe is true. And so in short, I just I take days off. I take days in silence. I go in nature quite a bit now and I meditate every single day at least at least once if not twice. I think that's so powerful that you said, you know, part of connecting with our true selves is about sitting in silence, getting into nature, and I would add fasting, gaining that clarity in, in that, in this space, in this energetic space, because our bodies, we are energetic molecules. So creating that energy to further connect and with our truth and vibrate at a higher level, I mean, that's energetic, that's mm-hmm. quantum physics, and that enables us to connect higher, stronger with spirit, with God, with with our true essence and connect with others from this place of truth. And it is, it is a practice. It's a discipline and a practice. Mm-hmm. It is not going to happen overnight. It has, at least not for me. And if it does no. for anyone listening, please tell me. It, I like shortcuts. I want to do it quick. I want to meditate fast. <laughs> I want to I get through everything a lot quicker so, so that we can get to that side of freedom and then have that space of authenticity. You know, I was having a conversation. Sarah, it's just beautiful to talk with you. I acknowledge, uh, really recognize you and acknowledge you for your authenticity and sharing your story with us. And I was having a conversation with one of my daughters today. She's 21 off in college where they are having live classrooms in South Georgia. And she was talking about how she is trying to break free of the comparison, comparing herself with other people, with things on social media, with people at different stages of life and doing things either more or less than she's doing. And she says, comparison, comparing for me has, she said, she has led me into judging other people and to feeling worse about myself. And I don't, you know, she was really authentic about it. So I love the conversation. So when we we look at this, breaking free from comparing ourselves to others on our journey. I, I like in yoga, they say, stay on your mat, right? <laughs> stay on your mat. Your journey is on your mat. Don't compare yourself to the yogi doing handstand poses and 
and, you know, child pose still feels uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this comparison, how do we break free from the comparing? Ah, yes. This is such a big topic. And it's, again, the stillness and going within and recognizing the uniqueness of what we bring. And I think that this is part of the spiritual approach. It's, It's saying, if I really believe that I chose this body for what I want to create in this lifetime for the lessons I want to learn, for the life I want to live, for the impact I want to have, for the community I want to thrive in, then I can connect to my uniqueness and what I bring to all of those aspects of my life. I think people think it's the other way around where it's, well, if I look like that, then I can have the relationship, the career, all the things, the white picket fence, the money, the abundance. And so we've just been living and operating from a place that is very much backwards based on marketing. And the the interesting thing is most marketers with the quick fix solutions are using our insecurities and then profiting off of them. And part of that is the comparison model. It's, it's, it's the way that the fashion industry has always worked. It's a reason why I'm so ashamed to have been part of it. It's because I know that my pictures made other women feel insecure. And that's something that I've had to really forgive myself for. And so the piece that I always go back to is cultivating the, the self-love, self-worth, self-esteem, the self-confidence within us first. And then from that, everything begins to become a reflection of that experience that already exists within us. And when we find it first within ourselves through the meditation, the mindfulness, the stillness, the inner workings like morning pages where you wake up and it's a practice um, that a lot of people do and you just dump your subconscious onto a piece of paper in the morning. When we do these type of practices, it allows us to really access the stories that are preventing us from feeling the self-love, self-worth, self-confidence within us first. And then we don't have to seek it in the comparison of going out and, and, and searching on social media. And with that said, there's there's a piece of that, which again is challenging because we get something from comparing, right? There's something that we feel it's serving us. It makes us feel bad. It prevents us from eating well and moving and doing the things, the self-discipline and the habits that we probably are avoiding. And so I would also ask, and I always ask my clients, how is the comparison serving you from a place of discomfort? Like what is it keeping you stuck in that if you were to let it go would actually serve you more? And and it's very similar to the self-love piece. Right now more than ever, I think self-care piece, I think self-care is really about self-discipline and saying, how do I create these habits in my life that are from a place of self-love, self-worth, and self-esteem versus buying a massage or getting a pedicure or manicure just to avoid the truth of what's showing up or to indulge in something for a quick fix and then go back into the stress of our daily lives. It's really about getting to the root cause first. You've talked a couple of times. If you can leave us with a tool, you've mentioned mirror work and another tool. You've given us so much. I've written pages of notes, Sarah. <laughs> you've talked about mirror work a few times and affirmations that that you did in your journey post-explant and to really kind of help you heal. Yeah. So let me give a few just quick exercises that people can do that have been really supportive for me and and I'll share a little bit more. So the affirmations, I really love affirmations, but I love them when you're in a rest or digest state. So 
if you try to do an affirmation when you're angry or frustrated, that wouldn't be a time that you would want to hear someone else's advice if you were angry at them. So you're probably not going to believe that this statement or this affirmation is true. So I always recommend using affirmations at the end of a meditation or once you've regulated your nervous system. And affirmations are just statements that really start to reprogram the subconscious mind. And so you can do those when you're in a heightened state, whether you're jumping, it's called an incantation. It's a Tony Robbins practice where you just state out loud specific things like I'm empowered in my body. I make choices from a place of self-love. I make choices from a place of self-love, self-confidence and self-esteem. And today I will move forward from that place of, of truth. Different statements like that, you can, you can choose ones that resonate with you. Mirror work is the Louise Hay practice where you stand in front of the mirror and you basically say affirmations out loud where you just speak positively about your body. And what I found to be really effective in this practice is is to not just focus on the parts of your body that you love, but focus on the parts of your body that you don't love as well and say really beautiful things about those parts as well. So often we want to, again, avoid or ignore (laughs) the parts of ourselves that we're we're not as um, inclined to love, but it's important that we focus on all aspects of ourselves and step into that love. So again, it's just standing in front of the mirror. You can have your clothes on. I do it without my clothes because it just, again, takes that to another level. But um, it's about saying these really positive statements. And the third exercise, which I would recommend doing is writing a letter to your body. We often forget that our mind and our bodies are connected. And this is a way to create that connectivity again. And it's about speaking to your body in a really loving way and asking for forgiveness for any and all things you did that didn't serve your body from a place of your highest good. And doing this actually, what I've seen in my practice and I've seen for myself is that when I've actually had to confront what I've done to my body on paper and really recognize it and sit with it and be with it and forgive myself, it creates this moment of of forgiveness and allows me in the future to really take again that responsibility and say, do I really want to behave this way again? No, my mind and my body are connected. This is a vessel vehicle for living a life of impact. And, and I choose now to take care of it and to honor it and to love it. And from that place of self-love, do the nutrition protocol, the movement, be in community, be in positive relationships, because I know that's what's going to serve me best. And so those are three simple exercises or practices that, that can make a really big difference very quickly. That sounds amazing. And these are really powerful. So affirmations, mirror work, and writing a letter to our body. Sarah, you've given us such great information today. I could talk with you forever. I want to introduce you to everyone in my community. Uh-huh. And, Thank um, you so much. And I can't wait for your book to come out because I, I, you know, that's tell us a little bit about that and when that's coming out and also how we can connect with you and do more work with you as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun being here and an honor to share this work. I have a book coming out in June of next year with Hay House. And so a lot of what I've been sharing on this podcast is going in and doing the the inner work and moving into silence. But often people say, well, I understand through that process of meditation and mindfulness that what I'm doing isn't serving me, but I don't really know the stories or the beliefs to take on once I recognize what's not serving me. And so the book is 24 Mindset Shifts and New Beliefs to Upgrade Your Relationship with Food and Your Body. So it's about really stepping into 
a deeper connectivity to to your body, but also cultivating the self-love and self-worth and self-esteem through these different belief systems. And so I'm really excited about that. And if you want to connect further, you can find me at Sarah Ann Stewart on Instagram or sarahannstewart.com. And there's plenty of free resources and lots of new things coming out. So I'd love to connect further and um, support anyone who is open and, and aligned with this type of work. Yes, I'm just going to emphasize Sarah with an H and Anne with an E, Stuart. Yeah, so Sarah <laughs> Stuart.com and great Instagram page too, by the way, very inspirational. So thank you so much for being with us today and, and for sharing this information in our audience. I know that you're going to want to check out what Sarah Sarah is doing at sarahannstewart.com. Remember, Sarah with an H and with an E, stewart.com. And definitely join us on Instagram too. Be sure to like her page, follow her activity, and share this information with your audiences, your friends, your colleagues, your people of influence that you're influencing on a daily basis. I know that I'm going to have my daughters listen to this podcast and we'll listen to it together as well, as well as start practicing some of these tools that Sarah's given us today. So I encourage you and my audience to please share this episode. Definitely love us on iTunes or podcast. Uh, wherever you're listening to your podcast, Podcast Addict or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And thank you. And let me hear what you what your feedback is. I read every single testimonial that comes through, every single comment. And I love to share it with my team as well. So thank you all for being here today. Thank you, Sarah, for being part of us. And this is Dr. Anna Kabeca, your girlfriend doctor. And I look forward to seeing you next time. 